If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome back to the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a guy in sports talks to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like that's just not sports. I am your host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. Not in Chicago today, back in Ohio, Southwest Ohio, where I grew up uh, visiting mom back here, eating some bagel and deli. In Oxford, maybe maybe sniffing out skyline, <laughs> maybe not. We'll see. We'll see how much the uh, the old uh, stomach can take of all the indigestion of the various foods I, I I always vow to consume every time I whip through town. And look, I grew up in a college town here in Oxford, Ohio, and when I was young, almost ended up in Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> my family almost moved there. Instead, we moved to Ohio. If so, my guest today. My guess that maybe we would have been neighbors. Maybe we would have been best friends. Probably not, because he would have been making a lot more money than me. That's right. I'm talking to Bob Stoops, Coach Stoops, who resurrected the Oklahoma program, won the 2000 National Championship, coached Heisman Trophy winners, coached first-round draft picks, uh, a, a mainstay of college football and I'm not going to talk to him about any of that. <laughs> We're going to talk to Bob. He's got a new book out, right? It's called No Excuses, The Making of a Head Coach. And my goal was to give him that little break in his book tour where instead of you know being asked about uh, you know staring down Florida State's D-line or what he thinks of Baker Mayfield right now with the Browns or Jalen Hurts, one more question about Jalen Hurts and did anyone see this passing game coming up? I'm talking to him about, hey, in your book, man, it says you... You owned a Grand Torino. Let's break that down. Huh? <laughs> I'm talking to him about growing up in Youngstown, Ohio, and, and what kinds of food that, uh, that he loved from that region. I'm talking to him about hitchhiking to a Bob Seeger concert. <laughs> and it's a fun look. Look, I, I, again, a guy like Bob Stoops is not low on media opportunities. So I just want to take things in a different direction and kind of break down the parts of him that kind of come through in the book here and there that I find really fascinating, that that operate externally from the Bob Stoops, the coach that you uh, that, that you already know. So I think it's a really fun time. I think you're enjoy this conversation with, with, with Coach Stoops. And stick around after the interview. I will be back to distract you. I want to get, look, I loved the book. I thought it was very cool. I, I want to get to the what I consider to be the most crucial detail right from the jump, which is when you say Ronnie sold you a Gran Torino uh, back growing up, you got to tell me about this car, man. I, I, I wanted more detail about the Gran Torino. What was it like? What color? Uh, what do you remember about your first car here? Oh, it was the best. I brought it from my oldest brother, Ronnie. And he made me pay for it, of course, but with my paint money from painting houses in the summer. <laughs> and uh, it was a 74 Ford Torino, uh, Grand Torino, navy blue. Oh. It had the speakers where you hit the button and you had the mind blowers in back. So when you're listening to some good Bob Seger songs, you could, <laughs> you could really crank it up. And uh, 
And anyway, and I, I had it and uh, I drove it to college, had it in college for a couple of years. Uh, in fact, there's a day before a game, my linebacker buddy Todd Simonson and I are under the hood, actually under the bottom. We're changing the fuel filter <laughs> and the coaches <laughs> coaches see us monkeying around down there in the, in the football parking lot asking what the heck we're doing. We're all greasy from changing the uh, we had a little bit of time before our first meeting for the game. And so I was changed. We used to change the fuel filter. I used to be able to tune it up myself. And then uh, I had it a few years, and then I'm driving back from Iowa to Ohio one one summer uh, to start the summer, and it's a 10-hour drive. And it took me three days to get home because I broke down three times. Oh. The, uh, the water pump went out on me, and then they put a new one, thought it was okay, but it had it was so hot it had warped the engine, you know. <laughs> so then I, then I broke down again a few hours later, and my – brother-in-law Todd Farragher had to come rescue me in Toledo about three hours from home and and uh towed it home and had to junk it when I got home man I'm I'm from Ohio uh so that's not the drive you want to break down on they're you're a long walk to some of those gas stations to get help uh Uh, I sat on the I sat out on the freeway for hours waiting for a tow truck (laughs) or waiting for somebody to come help me (laughs) did you have a tape deck in that car eight track what or was it just radio oh yeah you had the eight track, man. You had a heck yeah. How how hard were eight tracks to change? I, I grew up. I had, a, I had a tape deck and a CD player in my car, but I, I was post eight track. Was that was that something you could change while you were driving, or did you have, you have to pull over? <laughs> no, no, they were easy. You just hit a button, it ejected. it. You'd pull it out, and yeah. then you'd shove another one in there. So uh, no, it was great. It was a great car. I had a lot of fun in that car. Were you, you mentioned working on it, were you, and a lot of the book talks about how, you know, your family was uh, working class, you were always out, out playing, working in the summers, painting houses, were you, were you a car guy, like, did you find, like, a, a sort of a, a mental break by sitting down and working on a car? No, I got to admit, I, I used to do that <laughs> out of necessity, I had a, I, I didn't have any money to tune it up or get it, you know, fixed my, so I did some of that myself, but. My my best buddy uh, Snake, uh, right down the street from me, used to call me. I, in fact, I had to ha- have him come help me change a tire because I couldn't <laughs> figure it out. And uh, and hit my nickname from then on stuck is Wally. And his nickname he called me Wally Shoemaker. He said, "Oh, you you can't do anything but make shoes." You know, so I anyhow. What? So it was Wally from then on. So old cars are definitely back in the news. The new Breaking Bad movie. I think it's called El Camino. When you're a coach and you're working all the time, how many of like the big pop cultural moments like, you know, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, like Lost, 24, how many of that stuff did you just completely miss? And now you're being told, hey, by the way, did you ever go back and check out this thing that was a huge deal for 10 years? Oh, I'd missed it all. I never (laughs) watched any of it because... Because even if somehow you saw one, you knew you weren't going to see the others. So, yeah. <laughs> so why even bother with one? So I know I never, never saw any of that. In fact, uh, somebody was just hitting me the, the other day about what you might want to talk about. And he said, Harry Potter. And I said, who's that? Is that a receiver at Auburn or who, who's Harry Potter? <laughs> I had uh, I had uh, Rick Pitino on the show last year and he was talking about uh, you know, after leaving Louisville, he he started binge watching Billions, and I was curious what 
you know, since it, since you left Oklahoma, what was like one thing that you just sat down and just binge binged because you had just totally missed it? Uh, I I don't I haven't. Um, I'm not big on that. I don't. Um, you know, I'm not a binge watcher. So, <laughs> I uh, my wife had what's the one? Uh, there's one that was Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey in a. Uh, oh, True Detective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that with her. That was pretty good. Uh, Matthew McConaughey does an awesome job and Woody Harrelson's always awesome too. So I enjoyed that. That's about the only one I can think of that I've other than watch Seinfeld anytime it's on TV late at night. <laughs> uh, yeah, but McConaughey's uh, a Texas guy, you know, so you're team Woody in that, in that show, right? No, no, no. I, I met <laughs> Matthew last year at a, uh, we had an OU Texas kind of the night before the Texas game had a softball game. We, you know, a bunch of us were all in and I was kind of the coach of the OU team, but he was awesome. You know, he was, he was great. We talked for a little while and he was a neat guy. You know, in the book you talk about, you know, obviously being the coach of Oklahoma gives you lots of opportunities. You mentioned sort of being backstage as some of the biggest country performers and you, clearly you've had a, a long relationship with Toby Keith, I, but it got me thinking about your relationship with country music. Now I'm, I'm from Ohio. Youngstown doesn't strike me as, I mean, country's around, no. but I, I was thinking of more, you're probably more of a classic rock guy growing up, right? Oh, absolutely. Bob Seger. I was a Bob Seger fanatic. In fact, in the book, I talk about a story where I ran out of money in Cincinnati. Uh, and I was down seeing a, a girlfriend that I had for a long time down in those days. She was down in Cincinnati and things were kind of falling apart after being separated for so long. And I had no money and my buddies were on a Friday night or Saturday. We're going to see Bob Seger from Youngstown and they were going to, they were driving over to Cleveland for the concert. So I hitchhiked uh, from <laughs> Cincinnati to Cleveland. Uh, so I hitchhiked from Cincinnati to Cleveland, I 71 North and found my buddies, met my buddies, they had a ticket for me, gave me some money and they brought me home that night. So, uh, at the end of the concert. So that's a good story about going to a Bob Seger concert, but, but no, the, the country stuff came once I went to Florida, you know, I went to Florida and right. coach Spurrier and a bunch of the coaches there, Southeast guys. And, uh, they were, you know, I started listening to more country down there. And then when I got to Oklahoma, of course, it's big here and got to know Toby Keith and, uh, who's a great friend. In fact, I'm going to golf with them tomorrow, but, uh, but you know, so then I, then I've, of course, you're living out here in Oklahoma. You're gonna, you're gonna love your country. So uh, I, I enjoy it. I, I love them both, really. The the rock and the country. You talk about you know being at, at Toby Keith's Christmas party. It got me curious. Who's the first person to uh, have a few beers and pick up a guitar? Is it Toby or is it Barry Switzer? Oh well, the, <laughs> all of us are good. All of us are gonna race to have the first beer. That that's for sure. <laughs> but. Uh, but but Toby's great at once in a while at our parties. If he sees a guitar laying around, he'll he's going to grab it and get it tuned up and and start into something. You know he'll he'll and it, you know what? Not not even his songs all the time. He's like, uh, what do you want to hear? And he'll he's got he's like a lyric savant. He knows the lyrics of all, all the old rock songs, and so he'll even start playing one of those. And uh, you just throw out a name, and he could start he could start tuning it and get it going. Are you a guy that like sings along in that context or at a concert? Or are you, you just kind of a, uh, passively observing? I'm passively observing. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not trying. And you don't want to hear me singing. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I want to hear everybody in the sports world 
um, singing. Now, in, in the book, you talk a lot about Youngstown, Ohio. And I, I have family from Niles, from Warren, from kind of around that general region. Um, so I spent a lot of time in Northeast Ohio. And, and I just, you know, obviously that's a, that's a part of the country that has changed a ton generationally. You talk about that in the book about uh, the impacts of uh, old uh, industry, um, you know, leaving. As you look back on on your hometown and, and, and sort of, I mean, what is the connection you have with Youngstown now? And what do you think about where the community is versus where you grew up? Well, it's uh, it's a great community. It's very unique. And, and it's the ethnic backgrounds of everybody to the close bonds the tight-knit neighborhoods we all grew up in. Um, all my family, other than the brothers that went to Iowa, Mike and Mark and I, everybody in my family is still back in that area. And uh, it's great. You know, great friendships, very loyal people, you know, tough people, hard-nosed people. And, uh, you know, it was a great area to grow up in. And I love whenever I'm able to go back, uh, you know, some of my best friends to this day are my neighborhood buddies. And, I love it when I do get a chance to go back for a long weekend or so, and uh, it's always fun. I got to ask you this. You you may or may not know. In Warren, Ohio, there's a place called the Hot Dog Shop, which we argue is the best hot dogs in the nation. Have you ever been there? But I've heard of it, but I haven't been there, you know, but I've... I've heard, I've had people in Youngstown tell me about it. Okay, good. I feel very valid. My mom and I were arguing about this last night. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Coach if he's heard of the hot dog shop. She's like, there's no way. That said... Well, I'm... let me tell you something, though. Let me tell you. If okay. you're, the, last, the, the food there is so good, so many other things, Italian food, on and on and on. Why in the world would you go get a hot dog? Because <laughs> it's the best in the world. <laughs> you know, it's, well, it's like a chili sauce with a, with a cheese sauce. I'm telling you, Coach, you, you go there and you get, you get vinegar on the fries and you're set. It's still it's still a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Are are you someone who appreciates a, 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 you know Italian cooking or certain type of cuisine? Like what's your what's your go to meal? Oh yeah, anything Italian's fantastic. And in Youngstown, you could get it about everywhere. And you go uh, go to the MVR club sometime when you're you're there. <laughs> I, I might have to, man. I mean, well, I have to... It's, it's for Mahoning Valley Restaurant, but your Italian food or homemade, you know, the pizzas that that they make it's uh it's out of this world. <laughs> that's that's great. You know, I, I get, in the book you talk a lot about your relationship with your former players. And, and clearly I think that your fans, Oklahoma fans, they know the the moments on the field. I was more curious about um, moments away from the field. I've I've had a chance to work with a number of those um, those guys, Sam Bradford, um, you know, Tommy Harris, Gerald McCoy, those types of people over the years. And I found them uh, a lot of them have different passion points, different interests. So I'm just curious from your perspective, as you talk about building relationships with those guys in in their formative years, was there anything that that any of them maybe kind of introduced you to in terms of their own passion points? The way, the way you talk about Bob Seger, were they kind of turning you on to? Hip hop or other things that were more contemporary that, that that have stuck with you to this day. Yeah, uh, hip hop, some of that for sure. You hear it so much in the locker room or with all these guys that that's something that grows on you. I, I'd say also the the their deep faith with some of them. Hmm. So I told a story in the book about Tommy Harris one day. It's the start of football camp, and Tommy Harris, for people who don't know, big, mean defensive tackle. <laughs> he was a first round first round draft pick. All American, just a great player, and and we're we're getting ready to start camp. And I I figured his dad had dropped him off because whenever his dad would see me, his dad name was Tommy Harris. Also, his dad would give me a hug and say, "Coach, I love you and I'm praying for you." So, 
it's the start of camp, and I and I see this note on my desk. Coach Stoops, Tommy Harris, I stopped by to see you. I just wanted you to know I love you, and I'm praying for you. So I figured his dad had stopped by. So I go out to practice the next morning, and Tommy, we're stretching, and I tap Tommy on the toe. He's down on the ground stretching, and I said, hey, your dad stopped by. Tell him thanks for giving me that nice note. And I see this big grin on Tommy's face. And he goes, coach, that wasn't my dad. That was me. <laughs> and and so so I smile and I said, hey, thank you, buddy. I gave him a hug around his neck. And I said, any special reason you're praying for me? You, you know? What, <laughs> yeah, what do you know? What do you know that I don't? <laughs> so so anyway, but that's the kind of, you know, when you get to work with these guys, the, the personalities and the deep faith some of them have is, is pretty incredible. You're Jared McCoy. Uh, I worked with him, you know, right before he got drafted. It was the weekend before he got drafted. And I can still remember so clearly when he, he's the one who popularized the big bear hug of Goodell. What was your impression when you saw that? And, and have you ever kind of considered just how he started what became the new way of getting drafted and going up on stage? Yeah, you know, Gerald, that's him. He's he just that big. As mean and great a player is, he's a big teddy bear, and he's another one of those deeply religious, faithful guys that there's just a joy to be around. And he used to give everybody here those big hugs after a game or something. <laughs> you do, you had you had to be prepared when Gerald was coming after you. Uh, does this mean you're ob- if you ever see Goodell on the street, are you obligated to hug him? <laughs> no, I bumped into him before, and I just shook his hand. That's about it. <laughs> uh, a couple last ones here before I got to let you go. In the book, you talk about, you know, there's a great line where you talk about, you know, hanging it up and, you know, retiring the visor for good. And it got me thinking, I mean, even even on the cover of the book, you know, there's that, that iconic shot of you in the tunnel and you got the visor going. You you mentioned, I mean, the, the, the visor is so linked with your persona and you mentioned you just prefer it more than a hat. But it got me thinking, like, what specifically did you prefer? Is it a, is it a, a like a, a heat thing? Is it a, just a comfort thing? Like, how do you, how did you get drawn into that world? Well, there's a picture of me. Everyone thinks I did that just when I was at Florida because Coach Spurrier did it. But I, there's a picture of me several back in my K-State years wearing a visor. So I kind of always have. That, that's a long time ago. And, uh, yeah, it's comfort. It's it's a heat thing. It's cooler. And I guess as long as I've got hair, I don't have to worry about getting sunburned <laughs> up there. Well, that's what I was going to say. Was like, you know, you, 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 do you still get any burns or anything like that? But you got a you gotta, you know, thick full head of hair, man. So you don't have to worry about that. I guess we'll see where it goes. But <laughs> so far the visors are working for me. And, uh, finally just kind of close the book on the book, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, I, when you're writing with someone like Gene, I'm just curious what your collaborative process is like. Is it something where you're consistently bouncing ideas off of each other? Uh, did you ever have anything that got not contentious, but like a creative choices that you had to make that you that you, did, you weren't on the same page? And and ultimately, it's your book. So, but but when you're working on it with someone else, how do you kind of work through that and and find that collaborative creative balance? I, I thought it was really easy because Gene has done this a number of times. He's wrote. 12, 13 books, you know, he's a pro's pro. So I, I just really trusted Gene on, on the layout of it. And, uh, you know, and I might've had said, well, what about this? And he would say, yeah, that's good to fit in. And, and then, and then it's just a lot of days of being on the phone, like, you know, for an hour, two hours, whatever time we had, he had, or I had, 
oh yeah, we got, got, I got three hours this day. Let's, let's just talk through as much as we can. And, you know, so whenever it was possible, we got together and talked either, you know, uh, well, I got it together in person, maybe once or twice, but it was a lot of talk over the phone. And then, and then once he had it laid out, my wife and I over spring break, we went through the entire thing. It was, it wasn't finished, but we had to edit it because you know how it is when you, someone's he's typing away and I'm giving them the, all these stories. Sometimes there's a part of it's mixed up or it wasn't the intention that I meant, you know, so I had to say we had to go through and correct to make sure the right intentions or the right, you know, mood was there or whatever it was, you know, some of the facts might've been mixed up. So every day my wife and I would, you know, say for coffee, we'd sit at the pool and, you know, for, two, three hours, we'd, we'd see how many chapters we could get through to try and make sure that it was accurate, you know? Yeah. Well, hey, I got to let you go here in a minute. So in our final uh, 60 seconds, can I get a, a top five Bob Seger song list from you? Oh, gosh. Uh, Against the Wind, yeah. uh, Night Moves, um, Ramblin' Gamblin' Man, Beautiful Loser. Yeah. Uh, who else am I missing here? Uh uh, we, we've got, we've got tonight. Oh yeah. We got, have, have, you want to, uh, you want to sing a little, we got tonight with me? No, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> I was trying to trick uh, you into, into getting off the sideline and showing us that voice coach. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not happening. So. <laughs> well, Hey, thank, the book is great. Uh, we'll tell everyone to, to, to go pick up a copy. Thank you for giving us so much time and, and, and ex letting us explore your interests beyond football. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that was great. Appreciate being with you today. <laughs> When the drama comes, gunshots go. Never been a dope boy, but I got a dope flow. Straight to your brain, how my fans feeling? Oh, okay, you know me for balling and making jump shots, but I be moving the crowd like a honey gun shots. And we are back in the sports world. Athletes, coaches, media—they all do interesting things, and then we tell them, "Stop being interesting." Get back to watching game film. You are being a locker room distraction. That is ridiculous. Life is just work and the things that distract us from work. So on this show, I celebrate locker room distractions each week by telling you what's been distracting me. And yes, I have my birthday coming up this week, but I don't want to get into that. <laughs> the head is boring. No one wants to hear about my sad sack, shitty gift list that I've got uh, circulating to family and friends right now. I do want to talk to you about my birthday's on September 30th and it gets us right into October the next day. And October as far as I as far as I would say is the is a is a a month long celebration of Halloween for me personally. I like spooky stuff, I like horror movies. I like decorating the house with with the kids. Uh, you know, my girls are now at the age where they like making spooky decorations that we hang up, all this other stuff. They're they're super pumped up to do that. We're, we're carving pumpkins. We're painting pumpkins. Man, there's so many different ways to carve pumpkins now. Um, special kits, painting kits, people that just chip off the edge and make these really fantastical, um, you know, carvings. I, I don't even know if they're carving. Is it a carving if you don't get all the way into the guts? Or is it that just a, a you know, a, a scraping? <laughs> is that just a scraping? I, I, I don't know. But I do know... I'm a guy who believes in the 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 celebratory powers of Halloween, and I spend all month consuming as much content as I can along those lines. So I'm usually watching a lot more horror movies than usual, you know. And and you get that stretch where AMC will start to play 
you know, they'll the, the play all the nightmares or they'll play all the uh, the Halloweens or something like that. And, and you sit down and you're like, oh, oh, check it out. The thing's on. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll revisit this for the 15th time in my life. More than anything, though, I find myself downloading podcasts that go in depth on horror movies, scare movies. So I figured I'd just run down for you, my fellow podcast fans. What are some of the shows that cover this topic that I think are, are outstanding? Number one, I go to it every year in October. It's We Hate Movies. If you don't know We Hate Movies, and I've talked about it on the show before, I believe it's a really fun podcast. They're on like episode, I think like 440 and they've got like Patreon episodes and they've got like, we love movies, uh, you know, episodes now, which is, which is kind of fun, but their bread and butter is they sit down and they watch movies that are either super shitty, super polarizing, super easy to make fun of. And they just talk about them for like an hour, hour and a half, two hours and crack jokes. And it's fun. It's, it's not like super sweaty. I think that the guys like to talk to each other, and I think it's a real good hang. Every year, though, in October, they do a series of horror movies. And it just occurred to me the other day, oh, man, we're, like, so close to them switching that music over from the standard show music and getting into that, like, scary tune they bring out with clips from from, from horror movies that they, they roll out every October. And I'm super fired up to see what they're going to do this year. In, in past years, they've done... Pet Cemetery 2, which is one of their, I think, one of their best episodes ever because that movie is just so ridiculous. Hellraiser 3, even better. <laughs> I think I think that episode's really funny because that movie, the movie is bonkers. That movie where, where they turned Pinhead into the quintessential sort of 80s cheesy slasher. And it just, it, it works in that context, I guess. Like academically, I can look at that movie and be like, sure. And there's the one scene in the in the nightclub that's super gory, but the movie is so fundamentally outrageous that it's it's a it, again a, a good listen to the We Hate movies on on that one is is great. So go back even if you're new to the show, go back to the previous Octobers and um and, and every year they do they've done Wishmaster, they've done like Doctor Giggles, I don't know, lots of lots of good stuff in the archives there. Okay, moving on, Halloweenies, Halloweenies. I found this podcast on my trip back to Ohio. And I just started binging the hell out of it. It's from Consequence of Sound, a website. They also do um, podcasts like The Losers Club, uh, which is a Stephen King podcast that goes really deep on the books and and sometimes on the movies. But Halloweenies is this offshoot where they started by going deep on all the Michael Myers Halloween movies. And where they started going really deep, and I mean like two, three hours deep sometimes, on the Halloween movies, and it's, it's it's really fun, interesting. And then they instead of just ending it when the when the series ended, and and look, that series took a while to end. You had Rob Zombie revisiting it. You've now got the new movies uh, from 2018, and now there's going to be two more in that trilogy with Jamie Lee Curtis coming back. Um, but once they got to the end of their line, there they didn't stop. They just said, let's just go right on to Nightmare on Elm Street. And so they go in depth about each of the Elm Street movies too. I actually enjoyed that series even more. I think. I don't know. I'm more of a Jason guy than a Freddy guy. I'm just going to say that right now to you. I'm I'm a Jason guy more than a Freddy guy. But I do think some of those nightmare movies play really well for like long form conversations about what the hell is going on. <laughs> like part two and all of the subtext about a closeted teen coming to terms with his sexuality. Part three and how they kind of went way deep into the mythology. And then 
oddly four and five. What I liked about what Halloweenies did, like they had people on who really wanted to talk about those installments because quite candidly, um, they're a little bit better than you you might remember, which sounds insane to say. It just sounds utterly insane to say that like Nightmare on Elm Street 5, the dream child is better than you remember. But <laughs> honestly, maybe after two hours of hearing people talk about it in the car, you're going to be like, yes, it was. And Alice is a a proto uh, heroine for the horror franchise <laughs> for, for, for that time. So check that one out. Uh, the New Flesh. I, I've listened to this show. It started right around the time that I started this podcast, you know, four years ago. And uh, it's just two friends uh, talking about horror movies. Uh, they both work in media. So it's a lot of talk that veers into, yes, horror news and deep dives on like what's new in theaters or sometimes they go back and do um, entire franchise retrospectives. They don't do that as much anymore. But a lot of times they just end up talking about media trends, movie trends, um, you know, movie pass, <laughs> that kind of stuff. I, I find the banter very interesting. Uh, Scream Queens, a great look at horror movies from the perspective of the hosts who are part of the LGBTQ community. And I think that's another good one that, that you know, again, I go to podcasts to get fresh perspectives, different takes, different reads on stuff, hearing different perspectives, uh, getting a different uh, vantage point on some of these movies you may or may not remember. And finally, and I think I've talked about this show before, Faculty of Horror. It's two women who are academics taking a very cerebral view of horror movies. And I think it's the type of show that is, you know, they're doing everything from Zodiac to Henry to to whatever else. But again, they're bringing a really different perspective that I think is is interesting for people who like thinking about these movies critically. Um, reminds me, you know, Sean Fantasy from The Ringer was on the show last Halloween. We talked about horror movies. We broke down, you know, various uh, academic works that have been published, uh, different books that were that were interesting. It, it, it's got that sort of sensibility to it, which I like. So again, a little bit different. I, I, I'm just trying to give you a, a range of shows that I think are interesting, unique, that if you like this space, go check them out. Here's some different voices. Look, these are movies we've probably seen. If you're a fan of horror movies, you've probably seen them a couple different times. It's just good to kind of revisit them with a different lens, different voices, different perspectives. That's what that's what October is here for. It's, it's, it's scary podcast month, and I am here for it. All right, Bob Stoops. He was also here for it. Shout out to him, Oklahoma coach. Wish him nothing but the best of luck in the XFL. You know, he's, he's taken on that new role. I didn't talk to him about it. He, he's on record a lot of other places talking about that new gig in the league and his belief in Vince McMahon. So, so good luck for him. Uh, and go check out the book, No Excuses, The Making of a Head Coach, Bob Stoops and Gene Wojciechowski. Gene, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. If not, come on the show, scream at me. Yeah, lots of football stories in there. Lots of interesting uh, stories about his relationship with his players over the years. Some super noteworthy, others uh, more bit players historically. But look, I got the guy to talk 10 minutes about driving through Youngstown, Ohio. That is me doing the work for you, <laughs> dear listener. And more shows coming. Uh, we're going to have a jam-packed fall. Lots of stuff cooking. Lots of stuff already taped. Hang with me. Really appreciate you coming back. Find me at Just Not Sports. On Twitter at Justin Sports, 
on Instagram. Go check out recent shows we've done. Chuck Klosterman, Hannah Kaiser from Yahoo. Go back to last year, Eddie George, Rick Pitino. I mentioned Sean Fennessy already. Lots of stuff there to revisit, and I really appreciate you giving it a listen. And, and in the immortal words of Shaquille O'Neal, booty rappers, they booty. Yeah.